Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today is Sunday, January 28th, 2018, and this is Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of your Boston Celtics. Today's show is brought to you in part by Simple Contacts. Go to simplecontacts.com backslash Celtics News or use the promo code Celtics News to check out for $30 off your next order for lenses. Again, that's simplecontacts.com backslash Celtics News or use the promo code Celtics News at checkout. Also, today's show is brought to you by RX Bar. Go to rxbar.com backslash CLNS for 25% off your first order. Again, that's rxbar.com backslash CLNS. Use that promo code CLNS at checkout for 25% off your first order. Today's show is going to be a fun one of my favorite people ever to talk to in the universe. Howard Beck of Bleacher Report wrote a great article over the summer detailing the positives and negatives of trading for one Kyrie Irving, what their league was saying about it, what people in Cleveland were saying about it. And since we are, I don't know what, a couple of months from that article, about six months from that article, I thought it would be a good time to reach out to Howard to talk about maybe what we have seen so far from Kyrie Irving. Where is Kyrie Irving and his development? Is this the type of player Cleveland thought they were losing when they traded for Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, Ante Zizic, and of course the Brooklyn draft pick? Where are we with Kyrie Irving? That and much more coming up next with Bleacher Report's Howard Beck. Howard, you know, you've, you've gotten into the podcast for a little bit with your with your podcast, The Full 48. Out of curiosity, your first couple of, you know, interactions with, with in the podcast world, positive, negative, is it harder, easier? You know, welcome to our world. It's it's it's, it's a little bit a uh, little bit uh, less formal, I think, right? Well, I mean, uh, we've been at it now since last April, so I mean, it's it's, you know, become kind of uh, routine, I think at this point. I mean, I've done, you know, quite a bit of radio, which is much more formatted, obviously, and, and a lot harder to just kind of let conversations breathe because everybody's off, you know, at the next, you know, commercial break and, and you know, it's, it's, it can be a little bit, uh, feel a little rushed. So, yeah, the podcast format's been, been fun. I mean, it's been a great thing to explore and, and just kind of, uh, you know, try to find a guest every week and, and see where the conversation goes. Yeah, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed a lot of the, a lot of the more recent ones. It's been a fun time. And, you know, before we even get into this thing, I do have to thank you on behalf of some other people you've changed some people's lives Howard with this whole wing thing where you don't do wings you only do boneless I've actually had several people switch it up and I think it's funny that even with that 
Uh, I don't think that's the weirdest thing of all the media people I've talked to about food. I hate to make it about food before we even get going here, but I think the fact that Ian Eagle doesn't eat salad is a much bigger crime to humanity than, than you not eating chicken wings, I think. Well, my, my stance against chicken wings, and thank you, I'm glad I'm, I'm changing people's lives, and I'm glad people are waking up to the fraud that is chicken wings. But uh, I, I don't consider, obviously, that, that you know my stance to be uh, that crazy or controversial, but uh, Ian Eagle being basically anti-vegetable, anti-salad, and, and I, he's got some other like food quirks, too. He's way out there. Ian's way out there. I mean, that it just shows you that, as is often the case, uh, genius and eccentricity go hand in hand because Ian is like a, a genius at what he does. He's one of the best broadcasters in the country. He's amazing. He, he's great at his job. He's super smart. Um, and, and clearly by his food choices, he's, he's, he's just very strange. That's true. That's true. Um, you wrote a great piece. Let's just get into it. You wrote a great piece over the summer at the end of August about Kyrie Irving and some of the, the things that were going around in terms of the trade, what people thought about it. You pulled executives, you pulled coaches, talked to everybody. And before we get into sort of the how he's fit so far, you got to think of what's happening in Cleveland so far uh, and, and how things are sort of melting down right now that Kyrie must be a little thankful to be out of that complete mess. Because you have, I mean, look at the body language isn't great. Uh, you have Jay Crowder not helping up Kevin Love the other night. You have guys calling each other out in the locker room. I would assume that Kyrie at this point has uh, enjoyed the fact that there isn't a lot of controversy, isn't a lot of talk, isn't a lot of this stuff that comes out of Boston. He must be sitting afar and just, you know, maybe you know crossing his arms a little bit and be like, you know what, guys, this is kind of what I was talking about. I just want to play basketball. I don't need all the extracurricular stuff. Is that what you're, you're hearing on your end, Howard? Uh, you know, I mean, it's a fair interpretation of things. And, I, you know, since Kyrie has never really – truly explained his rationale for demanding the trade it's it's a little bit hard and, and i think dicey for anybody to try to assume too much about what drove him i mean there are, there are bits and pieces and interpretations and whispers he's never really explained it though and he may not ever and that's his prerogative but I, I, to me that means we always have to stop a little bit short with anything de- declarative about why he left now to the extent that the cavaliers are often a fairly drama-filled franchise and that that you know whether that's about LeBron whether it's about other folks there ownership there's a lot of different elements there if 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 in fact Kyrie wanted to leave in part because of that stuff sure I'm sure he's he's experiencing you know feeling a you know some some satisfaction um at watching that from afar it's probably more satisfied by just the fact that he's leading the best team in the Eastern Conference that should be enough I, I would think for him in terms of satisfaction um but let's do a quick reality check here. Part of their dysfunction is because he's not there. In other words, if they didn't have a still kind of, you know, uh, broken Isaiah Thomas, or at least not a fully functioning Isaiah Thomas, if they didn't have a, a, a less than impactful Jay Crowder, if the trade had never happened, then, you know, would the Cavs have been going through one of their January swoons? Maybe. Would some of these things be, be cropping up anyway, just because, you know they're they're old in spots. They've they've got some deficiencies in that roster. I mean, again, maybe. But part of their instability is the mere fact that they traded Kyrie Irving, who, however you want to define him, top ten, top fifteen, top twenty, wherever you put him, they traded a really really good player, an all star, for a, a broken version of an all star, and Isaiah Thomas, who didn't play for the first several months of the season, 
and is playing right now at, at very, you know, very far from what his peak was. And we don't know if he'll get back to his peak, which is why I've cast doubt on them all season. Because I, if, if, if LeBron doesn't have another all-star next to him who can score and make plays and carry some of the load and create, then, then they're in trouble. And they don't have that right now. So a lot of their dysfunction and the, the discontent out there is actually, in fact, because they don't have Kyrie or a reasonable facsimile. Yeah, you know, Bill Simmons has been kind of harping on that, like this whole why would you ever trade Kyrie Irving thing because he means so much to your franchise, not only because in the in the current present, because, you know, again, you, you can define it however you want. He's one of the top players in the league. Whatever number you put on that doesn't matter. But the fact, the, the matter is, like, this is a guy that at least was locked up for one more year past LeBron. If you were to try and find a way, you know, if LeBron were to leave, at least you could have something else to build around in Kyrie Irving and go from there. I, I just, I, I kind of take this stance. Like, I cannot believe that, I mean, as a Celtics viewer, I've enjoyed watching Kyrie Irving this year. He's absolutely spectacular. We'll get into more of what he's been doing so far. But Cleveland, you know, you look at what they got back. They they definitely didn't get what they thought they were getting. They thought they eventually would get a, a, an Isaiah Thomas that could bear the load uh, offensively for for nights that that LeBron wants to take off. And I'm still, I still think a lot of their problems people are overreacting to just because you know he obviously clearly still isn't 100 percent yet, and he still has to play himself back into shape. Whether he ever gets there or not, we'll see. Um, but the, the Jay Crowder thing, I think, is really interesting because they really brought him in thinking he'd be a, a valuable part of what they need to do. I mean, look what he did in Boston. He's a guy that would, would guard uh, the heavier guys in the wing, A. B., in, when he was good, when he was right, he could attack the basket a little bit. And earlier in his career with Boston, he would attack the basket a little bit more. Isaiah Thomas led the team in free throw attempts um, by a long shot. But at least Jay Crowder was in the conversation about two years ago. But the fact that he could space the floor and hit open shots and hit three-point shots something that's very valuable. And obviously for a guy like LeBron, who likes to play point guard and drive the rim, kick out for three-pointers, that would be at least valuable. But Jay Crowder hasn't been nearly as good. So the two guys that got back to produce right away haven't done any of it, and they haven't produced on either end of the floor they're supposed to. Like they're, Cleveland's going to have defensive problems anyway, whether Isaiah Thomas is on the floor or not. And Jay Crowder not being a defensive, like an above-average defensive player really does hurt them. Like I go back and look at that. And you look at the way they're set up for the future this season. I just don't know. The, their defensive problems are real. And if I'm Cleveland, I look at Toronto, who has a guy in the wing, and DeMar DeRozan, who's going to be tough to stop. You look at the way the Celtics are set up. You look at even Milwaukee. Uh, it, you know Washington's going to do something. If I'm Cleveland right now, I am petrified of what has happened. And if they can't do anything major, maybe this is the year we finally sit and look and say, wow, LeBron finally, for the first time in what feels like a decade, will not make the NBA Finals. I think their problems are really real, Howard. No, I, I agree. Um, I think this is as vulnerable as a LeBron-led team has been in a very long time. And I wrote it back in November when I was writing about their early season struggles that minus Kyrie and minus at that time Isaiah and, and without the knowledge of, of what Isaiah could possibly still be this season, and we still don't know what he'll, what he'll eventually be, that this would be the worst surrounding cast LeBron has had since he left Cleveland the first time in 2010. I stand by that. And I don't think it should have been a controversial assertion, although people in Cleveland uh, disagreed strongly, pointing to the fact that they believe they've just got this great bench. Well, the bench doesn't mean that much if your starting five isn't as good as, as any starting five he's been part of. So LeBron always had either Kyrie in his prime for the last three years or Dwayne Wade still in latish prime, but still Dwayne Wade was still able to, to be an all-star player for the four years that LeBron and he were together in Miami. 
he doesn't have that now. And so this, this is the, by definition, just minus that one player, that one other all-star who's a creator and scorer, by definition, it's the worst supporting cast he's had since 2010 when he left Cleveland. And that Jay Crowder is not as good as, as he had been in Boston or as good as Cleveland wanted or hoped he would be is just one more factor. Like if Jay Crowder were all defensive team right now and hitting every three, they'd still be at a deficit because they still wouldn't have Kyrie or a fully functioning Isaiah. So, I mean, it's one more blow. Jay Crowder not being who they needed him to be is one more blow, but it's not as important as the fact that everything really uh, still uh, depends on whether Isaiah Thomas can be at at close to all-star level again. And we don't know. And the jury's out. And, you know, Ty Lue has made one lineup change that, that we'll see going into effect tonight with uh, Tristan Thompson replacing Jay Crowder in the starting lineup. Maybe that shores up their defense a little bit. Um, certainly going to make them a little more conventional and not able to stretch the floor as much. Uh, but but he's leaving Isaiah Thomas in the starting lineup. And I think that, frankly, is a mistake at this stage. He's shooting, I think, 28% from three. He is on a per-minute basis still shooting as often as he did in Boston last year when he was fully healthy and playing like an MVP. I don't think that's a formula for success. His assist rate is down. Uh, he, he's not, you know, and, and because he's already hurts you defensively, Isaiah Thomas, he needs to be Superman offensively to make up for all the d- defensive deficiencies. And he's not, he's below average offensively right now. So it's, it, you know, it's, it's hurting them all across the board. And, you know, now we'll see, we'll see what happens with him still in the lineup, but Tristan Thompson in there, maybe that helps uh, with that last line of, def- of defense. And, and maybe that shores it up um, and, and, and on that end a little bit, but I don't know if that's the last move that they should be making. I, I feel like that, you know, they, they should be bringing Isaiah Thomas along maybe a little bit more slowly, or at least in a bench role. Today's show is brought to you by Simple Contacts, and this is the best app, the best website ever. If you have a prescription for contacts, this is the easiest way to reorder your prescription without having to go to the eye doctor. If you wear contacts, you probably dread the annual eye appointment to renew your prescription. You have to bring this big thing in your face. you like, number one better or number two? Number two, number one. I don't know which one it is. Well, Simple Contacts brings the doctor to you. You can take a vision test at home in just under five minutes. Then a real doctor reviews your test and writes you a new prescription. And guess what? If you already have a prescription handy, all you got to do is take a picture of your subscription, upload it to simplecontacts.com, and boom, they have your not only your prescription, they have a bunch of different brands for you to pick from in terms of your prescription lenses. It's the easiest way, the simplest way to shop for contacts here in 2018. And they offer every brand of lenses and their prices, folks, are unbeatable. But my listeners are lucky. You're not only unbeatable prices at simplecontacts.com. You get $30 off your first order with just using the promo code Celtics News. Again, save $30 on your lenses today. Just go to simplecontacts.com backslash Celtics News or enter the promo code Celtics News at checkout. Again, that's simplecontacts.com backslash Celtics News. Enter the promo code Celtics News at checkout. Save yourself not only $30 today, but the time and hassle it takes to go to the eye doctor. 
Today's show is also brought to you by RX Bar. And RX Bar is a whole food protein bar. And honestly, it can be kind of confusing on what that means. It means that RX Bars are made with 100% whole ingredients. They want to be transparent over at RX Bar with their customers, which is why they label the core ingredients, egg whites, dates, and nuts, on the front of the package and the ingredients that make up the texture and the taste on the back of the package. Beyond a go-to snack that checks off a number of nutritional boxes, RX bars actually taste delicious. They found that creating a bar made from real whole food ingredients actually tastes better than anything out there. They don't need the fillers, the additives, the chemicals, or the added sugar. How did RX bars start? Well, in 2013, they called BS on protein bars. They couldn't find a protein bar out there that was not full of artificial ingredients, fillers, preservatives, and just general BS. That's why they set out to create a bar with a few simple, clean ingredients where every ingredient serves a a purpose. RX Bar's core ingredients do all the talking. It's like eating three egg whites, two dates, and six almonds. No BS. And it turns out that real food actually tastes really good. Real ingredients. You can taste the cacao, the real fruit, the spices, everything. Whether you like sweet or savory, chocolate or fruit flavors, there is an RX bar for you out there. 11 different flavor varieties. They are gluten-free, soy-free, and dairy-free with no added sugar, no artificial colors, no artificial flavors, preservatives, or fillers. Get your RX bar today. I did, along with my uh, co-worker, Mike Walsh at CLNS. We're getting ready for a half marathon coming up in the end of May. RX bar is going to help get us there. They're delicious. They're nutritious to help you get you through the day. And, of course, you feel really good about yourself as you eat those full, wholesome, natural ingredients. You can get your RX bars today just by going to rxbar.com backslash CLNS. Again, that's the promo code CLNS at checkout. Go to rxbar.com backslash CLNS. Use that promo code CLNS at checkout for 25% off your first order and start turning the page to summer by getting yourself in shape both at, uh, at the gym and, of course, through meals. Again, by using RX Bar, by going to rxbar.com backslash CLNS. Use that promo code CLNS at checkout for 25% off your first order. Back to Howard. You know, I want I do want to get off the Cavs here because this is a Celtics podcast. Of course, we we can talk about the Cavs <laughs> until the cows come home. Because they, they're, they're always going to be relevant. When LeBron's in the league, they're out, whatever team he's on is going to be relevant. But I do want to go back to that article you wrote back in, in August. And I know everybody hates when you do this. But you asked some good questions, I think, in the middle of that piece. And I, I'm just going to quote it. Can he, and he meaning uh, uh, Kyrie Irving, can he evolve? Does he want to? Will he play the brand of defense the Celtics demand? Will he embrace Coach Brad Stevens' move-the-ball philosophy? Can he suppress his worst tendencies for the greater good? Can he be a galvanizing force instead of a one-man show? All legit questions. And we've only had about 45, 50 games of Kyrie Irving. And I don't think we've seen the best version of Kyrie yet. I don't think you're going to see that until next year even. But... I think just, and you can't really tell this by the most basic statistics. You really kind of have to dive deep into this thing to find this out. But I think with what we've seen so far this this season, I think the answer to those questions so far is yes. I think he has become a slightly different player. And the one stat I'll use to cherry pick to make my argument, because that's what we do, 
his defensive rating has been the best of his career. Now, a part of that is the, the, the guys that are around him. Obviously, defensive rating is not really an individual individual metric. You know, having Al Horford and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Aaron Baines and Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart helps. But his defensive rating of 102 is his best of the entire career. So at least you can say he's at least embracing the lifestyle of being a point guard under Brad Stevens, no? Yeah, uh, absolutely, and I'm glad that you're quoting from the column where it, it's mostly asking the questions as opposed to people who interpreted that column as oh. being somehow an indictment of, of him. Well, it was um, it was the best. Took, you got both. You had the best of both sides. You had people that didn't like what Kyrie was, what could, what he could be, and people that did. It was the most well balanced piece anybody could ever read, uh, and then you still got hate mail from it. I'm sure. No, no, thanks. No, no. People just they, they they took away what they wanted to take away, and they also attributed a lot of what I got from personnel around the NBA, you know, executives and scouts and attributed it to me instead. And like, there's probably 5% of me in that column, but it was 95%, you know, perspectives of, of other people that I spoke to who are far smarter than I am. But, um, but the main thing was that it was a question. It wasn't really an indictment. Now it was, it was a pseudo indictment of who he'd been in Cleveland, right? Like we did see a lot of his worst tendencies in Cleveland and they went to three straight finals and won a championship anyway. But in terms of the, some of the ball dominance, and just having uh, blinders on as he's driving to the basket, um, you know, the, the, that takeover mentality, um, the inability to carry the offense whenever LeBron was either out for games or just on the bench within a game, there was always this, you know, he could carry them offensively, sure, as a scorer, but he wasn't being the distributor and the all-around playmaker and, and point guard type that they needed. And so his play in Cleveland raised all these questions his you know his his uh you know indifference on defense especially during regular seasons they they raised these questions about him and so people around the league then had that curiosity well if he's going to boston as the the new franchise face if he's going to take on all the leadership and the burdens and the responsibility can he be more than what he was in cleveland because you can't you can't be that guy with some of the tendencies he had in Cleveland. And so, yes, to your point and to the questions that I raised and the questions that you just answered, I agree. The answers to all those questions have been, yes, he, he, he is capable of and willing to reach this higher level. He, he was willing to bend. And I actually, I noticed it from like the very, and it's dangerous, by the way, preseason, you know, impressions are dangerous, but from the very first preseason game, I saw him play in Boston. The first thing I noticed was, wow, he's moving the ball. It's not sticking. It, he's not dominating. He's, he's, he already looks like a Celtic. Like the, the ball is moving and Kyrie Irving is doing it. Um, he's still as spectacular individually as you need him to be at times because he can just, he's a magician. He can create offense out of thin air and he, he makes moves uh, that nobody else in the league can make that people, you know, the players in history haven't been able to make. He's incredible. Um, the question was always, do you, can you use that judiciously <laughs> and, and make sure to involve your teammates along the way? He's doing that. And defensively, yeah, I mean, you already asterisked it. I don't believe that defensive rating is a great indicator of, of any one player because context of, of, of who else is around them uh, matters. And if you're on a great defensive team, your defensive rating is, is going to be that much better. But I think there is more consistent effort there. And, you know, one of the things that folks in Cleveland had told me was, listen, as bad as he is on defense during the season, when he really wants to lock in during the finals against Steph Curry or at any point during the playoffs, the guy can play defense right up there with the best. Uh, it's just, you just got to get him there and, and you, you're not going to get it every night in the regular season, especially, but he's doing it more consistently in Boston. And yeah, I mean, listen, I had doubts. I absolutely had doubts about whether Boston was making 
the right move, not because of what they gave up. Um, we're, we're clearly seeing that what they gave up was actually a bargain um, for Kyrie Irving. And what Cleveland got is, is looking incredibly disappointing, to say the least. They may re- regret this trade for a very long time. But, um, but, I, but I felt like Boston was certainly rolling the dice on who Kyrie was or could be. And he has vindicated himself brilliantly. Any doubts I had, I, I, can't, I, can't even, I can't even raise those doubts now as we sit here in January. And we're, you know, we're a long way from the playoffs and, and everything else. But um, I think all, all the signs have, have indicated that uh, he's, he's going to be everything that they hoped he would be and, and has a lot more growth to come. You look at how they use him, too, I think is interesting, and, and the offensive side of the floor. Not as much pick and roll for him. Um, in Boston, yeah. but has been more efficient with it. Uh, he's less isolated, uh, less isolation this year. He is yeah. his his percentage of the shots are coming off dribble handoffs have gone way up. That's a Boston something special. They've been they did that with Isaiah Thomas, and if you could just picture Kyrie Irving doing that, you could see he'd have a lot of success. He's scoring one point one four points per possession off dribble handoffs. He's coming off screens a lot more. Uh, him and Al Horford have found this great little niche where, where Al catch it at like the nail or even further up in the high post and do a backdoor cut and Kyrie's right there. One of the big plays, I think from preseason or maybe it was one of the first games of the season is a highlight dunk that Kyrie got. We didn't know that Kyrie could even dunk with all the fancy finishes he has off, uh, has off of either foot with either hand. Um, to see him just throwing down was interesting. Uh, him being a leader has been interesting. The, the way he's carried himself as this quote machine has been really interesting. The, the Kyrie Irving experience, I think for the most part, for the Celtics fans and people that watch the team, has been very positive. And it's it's a guy that I didn't think really existed. It's a, a guy that's you know who tries to be intellectual, whether he is or not. You can, you can attribute that to whatever you want to. But it's a guy that I think not only has like one more level, Howard, but he has like two because the one thing we saw with Isaiah was Isaiah had the great MVP year only after being in the system for one full year and fully understanding how Boston wanted to play. Isaiah coming to Boston was a guy that was known as a ball stopper, a guy that didn't move the ball, whatever have you. Boston needed him to score it well, but when he wanted to move the ball, he did. And, and he became a much better distributor on that end. I think there's there's more to Kyrie coming, A, and B, I think Kyrie's life gets easier as he gets going here because they're going to add somebody to the deadline. They're going to add Gordon Hayward eventually. I think whether you think it's this season or next season doesn't matter. I think that there's a real shot at this season. Um, the young guys will get better. Jason Tatum's going to get better. Jalen Brown's going to get better. I think there's not only one more evolution of Kyrie there, but maybe like one and a half where it becomes a more efficient player. Maybe not in terms of like points per game, but his shot selection will get better. Uh, he'll be a deadly open three-point shooter when Gordon Hayward's on the floor. I still don't think we've seen the best of Kyrie yet, do you? No, he, I mean, he's, he's too young to, to say that. I mean, and there are guys who get frozen, right, who got, you know, like by the time they're seven years in, and this was something that I heard about Kyrie too, was people wondering, well, look, he was at that point, what, six years in before the trade, I think. You know, hey, six years in, maybe this just is who he is. And some guys do, like, the, the, they, they, they freeze at a certain point, and that is just who they are. Not everybody does evolve. Not everybody does change their game and add to their game and grow up as players and, and, and you know, find that other gear or find that other way of, of uh, being a better teammate. It doesn't always happen. But we've already seen enough from him in the, this early part or this, this first half season with Boston that I think we can conclude, yes, he was open to evolving and, and had an intent to, to evolve and adapt. And I think that bodes well for the rest of it. I mean, I would just say like, as a practical matter, 
Um, when Gordon Hayward comes back, let's not toy with the ideas of him coming back this spring, but let's say, you know, in, in October when the gather for training camp and, and you've got a fully healthy Gordon Hayward coming back with Kyrie and year three of Jalen Brown and year two of Jason Tatum with all the experience under their belts and whoever else Danny Ainge has stolen from some other team in the offseason. Um, <laughs> Ky- Kyrie will have to make an adjustment, you know, because you need to allow Gordon Hayward's an incredibly skilled and talented player, a guy who, again, when these doubts were still out there about Kyrie, more than once I'd hear people, pers- you know, people around the league, personnel people saying, Gordon Hayward's the best player they got this offseason. Gordon Hayward's the best, the, the, the best Boston Celtic. People might be reevaluating that, that assessment now, not only because Hayward's got to come back healthy, but because Kyrie, I think, has quelled some of, of the concerns. But forget who's better. It's not really important to rank them. The fact is, Gordon Hayward's an all-star caliber player and, a, and is great with the ball in his hands and needs the ball in his hands some to be effective. Now, he's also great you know, off the ball, so it, it's not, it's not a, an all-or-nothing thing. And both of these guys can, can do that. But that is what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to find some good ways, uh, effective ways to play off of each other. And Kyrie's going to have to make room for Gordon Hayward's offense and his ball handling and his creativity. And Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, as any really talented young players do are going to want to keep spreading their wings and Kyrie as the leader of that team is going to have to make room for that and bring out the best in those guys. And eventually there might be some tensions there. Like, and that's fine. Like that's, you know, any good young talented team is going to have those moments where you're trying to figure out, okay, well, how do we maximize everybody, but not have anybody feel like they're getting squeezed out of the offense because there's still so many possessions and so many shots. So I, I, I mean, I, this is, you know, it's leaping ahead and I'm not trying to like, you know, raise you know, concerns just for the sake of doing it. I just think that that's the natural evolution of a team, especially a team with really young talent like they have with guys like, like Brown and Tatum. And so um, there will be other adjustments that they have to make. There will be other awkward moments and, you know, need to figure out how everybody fits and there'll be other changes. Um, but like, as we say, the, the early signs from Kyrie in terms of the, his willingness to evolve bode well for all of that that he'll be you know he'll be a net positive as they go through all those changes and that's why when you look at you know, what they could possibly trade away what they could possibly get all these you know all these moves they've made and could possibly make in the in the near future that's why the most important part of what the Boston Celtics are is not one player on the roster not any you know draft picks in the war chest it's always been and will always be while he's there I think we Brad Stevens his ability to keep these guys all happy and keep, and I think as you as you bring it up, like guys are gonna want to spread their wings a little bit. I mean, we already I've been begging for the Jason Tatum like to 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 uh, to have more of a role in the offense. I've been beating that drum for a month and a half now, and now that he has, we've seen that he's maybe not as as ready as we thought he would to handle an offense right now, and that's okay for a nineteen year old. But you know, this is where Brad's style of play and his brain and his and the way he talks to people and the way he coaches his guys. That's where this comes into play because they are going to have a lot of high-end talent if things go extremely well for them. Even if they don't go as well as they could for them, things are still going to break well enough for that they're going to have way too many guys that need all of the ball in their hands. I mean, Tatum has been really great. Jalen Brown is is developing as a young guy. And, again, Hayward and, and Kyrie and Horford and all those guys, it's going, to, it's going to take some time. But Brad has done such an unbelievable job this year managing minutes 
keeping guys fresh. There's been so many times throughout the season where Aaron Baines, uh, you know, elbows somebody in the face and breaks their nose, or Daniel Tice has a has a, a nose break. We see Marcus Mark into some um, injury issues. We had Jalen Brown out early this year. Uh, Jason Tatum dislocated his pinky in the middle of a game. Um, of course, the Gordon Hayward injury. Like what Brad has been able to do with not only all the moving parts that happened prior to this season, with only four guys coming back and 11 new faces, but guys that he's lost in the middle of the season to injuries. And the most, you know, the obviously the most jarring one being the Gordon Hayward one five minutes, 15 seconds into the season. But I think Brad has done such an outrageous job of navigating some of the troubles that come within a season that you just simply, Howard, can't predict. Yeah, no, there, there's there's no question. Um, that That's that team ever since Brad got there and got established and, you know, you know, remember at the time that they hired him, everybody was kind of like, you know, what, what is, you know, what is Danny doing a six year deal for this guy who's, you know, really young and he's, he's, you know, never been in the NBA. I mean, everything that, that has happened since then has, has shown not only that that was obviously the smart move, but that Brad Stevens um, has a really special way about him and that the culture that they've created there, that everything that we think about when we think about the Celtics and what they do um, is a reflection of him, including the fact that, that, yeah, they seem to navigate tough waters really well and very calmly, which, you know, again, that, that's his personality. I mean, it teams, it doesn't always happen where a team becomes, you know, re- reflects the coach's personality in the NBA, but um, there are times where you can really recognize it. And, and clearly that's, that's the case with, uh, with Brad Stevens in, in Boston. And, you know, it's, it's a credit to him, you know, look, we should, the majority of the credit goes to, to Kyrie Irving for, uh, making the, the changes that, that we've talked about or making the, the evolutionary loop leaps as, as, an, as, a, as a star player. But if Brad Stevens doesn't establish the culture that he does and the, the ideals that he does there, this is how we play. This is what's expected of anybody who comes here in terms of how you, how you play defense, in terms of moving the ball. Like if those things aren't all well established, then, you know, guys can uh, let their worst tendencies creep in. But it, it doesn't happen there because it, it's a very well-established um, set of parameters, and that you know that's that's all due to the coach. Last question, we'll get you out of here real quick, Howard. And I do appreciate. I know you've been under the weather for the past week and a half, and I, I appreciate the time that you've, you've given us here today. Um, and it sounds like you're feeling a little bit better, but I, I, I couldn't tell. Um, but uh, if you're Boston, bigger threat to you in the Eastern Conference is it Toronto, Cleveland, somebody else? Maybe, maybe like Washington makes a move for somebody and gets a big piece. Uh, maybe Milwaukee does something. I, I just only see Toronto and Cleveland being the only two guys that, that Boston should really be afraid of. What's your take on that? Yeah, probably. I mean, look, I, I, I've been on, you know, I, I've thought for the last couple of years, every every season coming in, I think, oh, Washington, this is the year that they break through. They, they're they should be better than they are. They're, they're, they're a classic, you know, better on paper than in real life somehow. And I don't know what it is about Washington and Milwaukee's got a little bit of that going on too. And with Milwaukee, you can write it off a little bit to use, but, um, but I feel like that, that particular uh, explanation is, is starting to, to become thin. Um, so if the Bucks and the Wizards aren't going to actually be as good as they're supposed to be, then it's almost by default that all, that's all that's left is, is Toronto and Cleveland. And um, you know, it's funny the way you asked the question, and obviously you're coming at it from the perspective of a Celtics fan and, and a Celtics podcast, that it's, you know, who's the biggest threat to Boston, whereas I think a lot of people are still, even amid Cleveland's dysfunction, would say, is Boston capable of knocking off Cleveland? Um, but I don't mind it, because frankly, I think Boston has earned that. 
that if anybody wants to talk about who's leading the East and, and who's, you know, uh, you know, who, you know, who's the challengers right now, it certainly feels like Cleveland is the one that'd be more the challenger. Now that the defending conference t- champions and all that stuff. Um, but they are kind of a mess. Um, we'll see what kind of moves the Cavaliers make to try to shore things up before the trade deadline. I'm sure there's a move or two there somewhere. I'm not sure if, if they'll be impactful enough. But look, um, you never bet against LeBron. You never rule out the possibility that a LeBron-led team is going to, to kick it into some other gear. Um, I think the Celtics, you know, when it comes to that, that roster, it's still pretty young in some key spots. The bench has question marks, uh, as you know. And so, you know, it's not, it, it's not, there's no certainty there. And then Toronto, you know, they're basically, they're a better version of what they've been, but they're still the same core group that, you know, disappoints everybody in the playoffs every year. And so, um, you know, we, we could throw asterisks on all three of those teams or, or at least concerns about all three of them. I don't know, as we sit here in late January, um, what to ultimately expect, um, you know, for, for and who, who will emerge. Um, you know, Cleveland gets the benefit of the doubt because of LeBron. Um, the Celtics, to me, look like the strongest total package right now. And, you know, um, Toronto's got talent and experience. So it's, you know, this is why I, I hate making uh, predictions midstream. But, you know, uh, we'll see how things unfold in the next couple months. The one thing I like, though, is at least it's a conversation, right? It's no longer just like, ah, well, I'll just pencil LeBron in and then, you know, the Warriors and everything's fine. At least we could have a meaningful conversation or at least somewhat meaningful here in the end of January talking about, you know, yeah. that these three teams at least look like they could – one of these three, I mean, it's probably going to be LeBron just because he's LeBron, but even at that, you still have to at least consider the other two because they actually – like, I don't think Dwayne Casey gets enough love, like, anywhere just because, again, they, they make so many blunders in the playoffs and they never seem to get over the hump, but they they – They've drastically changed the way they play for, for, via last yeah. year and this year. I think he deserves a ton of credit for that. I, I think they're legit. DeMar DeRozan gets a lot of credit for changing who he is. And Kyle Lowry's been a little different version of himself. It wasn't great when he started the year, but now it's better. I think it's just nice that we can yeah. have a legitimate conversation and not just be like, well, you know, LeBron's LeBron. He's probably going to figure it out, and, and it's, that's the end of it. At least we have at least a, a nice, cool conversation about it. We can get a little bit more in-depth with it. Well, for, for sure. And there are two things that, of course, have created the fact that there's actually some mystery now. One is that, you know, Kyrie demanded a trade, which the Cavs, you know, uh, caved to. And so now he's in Boston instead of Cleveland, and it's changed everything. And then the other factor is just simply that, you know, uh, in the wake of that, the Cavaliers have been so screwy that for the first time in a long time, we have doubts about a LeBron James-led team. And you know, that, that hasn't been the case in a long time, but I mean, a lot of it, it's either it, you can credit Boston and Toronto for making the changes they've made, but ultimately, you know, so much of this is about what Cleveland is, has done to itself that, you know, it, it's, it's hard to remove that from this, that, that, you know, you, you never bet against the LeBron led team unless the LeBron led team has given you reason to, to doubt them. And right now they've given us all kinds of reasons to doubt them. Yeah, I think 118 points allowed per game in the month of January is a good reason to doubt them. <laughs> Howard, I appreciate the time, my man. Feel better. Uh, I hope uh, whatever you have right now, it's gone by the hopefully the end of the, this conversation. But uh, thanks for everything. You, again, you do an amazing job for Bleacher Report. Keep up the great work, and I can't wait to see what you're working on. Appreciate it, Evan, and I, I am on the men. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. Yeah. Take care. See you, buddy. And that will do it for this.
this episode of Celtic Speed here on CLNS Media. I want to thank you guys for tuning in today. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Evan Valenti, E-V-A-N-V-A-L-E-N-T-I. Hear more from me and, of course, the rest of the Celtics Roundtable crew on CLNS Media. I have another Celtics podcast. Make sure you check us out as well. Matt Agnall, Jonathan Agnall, Jonathan Levy, Zaire, Lucky's Pipe, Sam Sheehan, and more. All coming away uh, all throughout the week on CLNS Media with Celtics Roundtable. More thank yous to hand out. First and foremost, my executive producer and the former host of this show, Larry H. Russell. Our CEO and fearless leader of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso. My producer on the show, Greg Casoli of the USA Today Media Group, the Celtics Wire, of course. And, of course, my two people on the music, Steph the Grateau and Chuck Dietz, for helping me out with music for every episode here on CLNS Media. I'll see you guys next week. It'll be Super Bowl Sunday. should be fun. But until then, I'll see you next time. Evan Valenti signing off for Celtics Beat right here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of your favorite Boston Celtics. Let's go.